Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey. Dave. Yeah. And Tori. Hello, Internet. So we start every week with Good Thing. And since last week was a bit of a mess because nobody wanted to go, uh, we're going to start doing these in alphabetical order. So, Craig, you're up. Um, I don't know. I thought it went okay last week. But this week, oh, man. <laughs> See, it's a shame because I just found yeah. something that I also want to do a shout out to. But the thing I want to mention most, and this applies to Dave. Dave, yeah, you need to play this game. Yeah, it's called Twenty XX. Oh, Dave. I saw you playing that yesterday. I think I have it. It's been on my wish list for like ten years. Yeah, it's it's so you. It's it's Mega Man X. Only it's it's a roguelite. Um, so it has oh, you know, okay. procedurally generated stages. Um, it has some random pickups. I mean, it's not it's not too ridiculous. It's um. It's not as crazy as something like Rogue Legacy in terms of randomness, because um, it, it still plays like a. Play. What's that? A game I also have to play, Rogue Legacy. You haven't played that yet either. Oh, that's a few. Nah, that one I do own. I just haven't played it yet. Uh, but yeah. So distracted. and apparently I just tried it yesterday. Played a little co-op. So you can you can do co-op. It has dailies, just sort of like Spelunky. It's pretty good. It has really good music, and it came out with a Kickstarter roughly around the same time as Mighty Number no. Nine. And this is actually a good thing. And Dave, you do not own it currently, so maybe in the future you will. It's currently forty percent off, but this is for us. Unfortunately, when the people listen to this, it will not be on Steam sale, but it'll probably be on Steam sale on in the future. It goes so, on sale a, a lot. I get emails about it like monthly. Like twenty yeah. XDX is on sale. Oh yeah. Yeah, right now it's only nine bucks, which honestly is well worth it. I already sunk in like twenty hours or something like that. Um That's less than two dollars per hour. Okay, eleven hours. But still That's less than an hour per Pretty good. Thanks Highly recommended. Also, they just posted a Captain Marvel website, and I also put that in the good things. Uh, it's totally GeoCities from the 90s. It's awesome. That's it. <laughs> Get all these gifts. GIFs. <laughs> all right, Dave. I'm you're up next. Myself. My good thing this week is an indie classic, a free game, and it is called Cave Story. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the best uh, retro-style indie games before it became big, before it became really popular to make retro-style indie games. It's uh, It follows the story of a robot in a cave. And saying anything else is a spoiler, so that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but actually, I will also say that the soundtrack is phenomenal. So is. the game, the game, like, top five favorite soundtracks of all time in any games but that's it's only the original version of the music if you happen to pick up the game on Wii or on steam or whatever else and you get cave story plus do yourself a favor and listen to the original music do not listen to any of the uh remixed garbo that they released with cave story plus but 
if uh, if you don't want to pay for Cave Story, then hey, good news. The original version is actually free on the developer website. The drawback to taking the free version is that you only get one save file. Now, if you want to go into your uh, Windows Explorer and copy your save file and make multiple saves, you have the option to do that. Uh, but uh, it it's, doesn't have multiple save files integrated. But uh, Cave Story Plus is worth the five or ten bucks or whatever, and uh, Studio Pixel deserves it, so you should buy it anyway. Uh, but again, if you play Cave Story Plus, you must use the original music. Yeah, t- talk about a game with really good music. And I, I think that's sort of what makes it. I mean, the story as well, but just the music. It's it's such an unassuming game. And then you start playing it and you're like, this is really, really good. Um, yeah. Oh, and I also, think, did don't, you get me to play that? I don't, no, I don't you remember. got me to play it. I, you had it on Wii and I was at your house in Wilmington, actually. And... I was playing it, and I actually played it on hard mode, which was a huge mistake because you just hard mode just means you don't get the strong weapons and you don't get energy tanks. Like it's it's a very very bad decision to play on hard mode your first time or ever. But, I mean, uh, I actually saw a guy streaming uh, heck runs in hard mode, so it's like one hit KOs in the most absolute bullet heck area of the game. I, I played it originally for free, and then I picked it up on Wii because I really liked the game. So I'm like, I want to support the devs. I'll just get this upgraded version, which is, I guess, I got you to play. But yeah, good stuff. All right. So my good thing, uh, continuing my thread of siblings who make things that I enjoy, is the Duffer Brothers, uh, who you almost certainly, if you know anything about them, it's because of Stranger Things. Uh, mostly because they've done almost nothing else. Uh, they wrote and directed a 2015 horror film called Hidden that I've never heard of. They've written episodes for a show called Wayward Pines that I've also never heard of. And they made Stranger Things, which is potentially the best show on Netflix. And it's got some pretty strong contenders if, if you've, like, gone through the Netflix Man, I still need to thing. watch C2. You really do, and season three is coming out July 4th of 2019, including the year for, I don't know when this episode is going up. Um, Anyway, Stranger Things is, like, nostalgia programming done as as well as it can and will ever be done. Yeah. Because it doesn't glorify the 80s. it's, It's a very realistic view of what the 80s is actually like. Well... Plus other stuff. I mean, it's there's there's definite like style shoutouts to, you know, Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, um, like you you can see, you can see influences from from both of them throughout the series. Um, they even use like the same Stephen King book font uh, that he uses for his covers as their like title, the the Stranger Things same font. It's it's incredibly good. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, they are twins, twin brothers, uh, Matt and Ross Duffer. And I don't think it's important to know their individual names because they, they exist as a single entity of the Duffer brothers. And yeah, that is my good thing this week. Tori? My good thing this week is a trilogy of graphic novels by Ben Hetke. And I don't know if I'm saying that 
correctly, it's spelled H-A-T-K-E, Ben Hatke. And the trilogy is Zeta the Space Girl. So it's three graphic novels. Uh, the first one is Zeta the Space Girl. The second one is The Return of Zeta the Space Girl. And the third one is Legends of Zeta the Space Girl. You're saying Zeta? Zeta. Z-I-T-A. Yep. And so there are cranky robots, and there are awesome aliens, and there is a giant mouse. We'll call it a rodent of unusual size, but it's adorable. And uh, she goes around saving the universe. So it's appropriate for elementary ages up, and the art is great. Nice. All right. Um, Dave? All right. I believe you read four chapters this week. I sure did. I read chapters 31 through 34 for those of you following along at home. So if you have not read up to chapter 34 yet, then I recommend pausing the podcast, going back and reading those chapters because there's a lot of stuff that happens here. And uh, you don't want to hear it from me. You want to hear it from the main man Sanderson himself. So, All right. That being said, chapter 31. I'm just going to do what I normally do and read off my bullet points. And there are a ton of them for chapter 31. Uh, I'm going to, there is one break here. Okay. Phylon Frando was not a Scott. Assembly (laughs) is waiting for Ellen. Phylon hid someone in the crowd. Phylon doesn't like Lord First and Penrod. Phylon organized Ellen's deposition. Ellen shows up kingly AF. All right. So. Dude, Remember, <laughs> wait, wait, Violet, I could totally see. I don't think he, he talks in. I feel like he should talk in third person. Violent. That's just the yeah. way he is. <laughs> oh, you're just imagining like, me Violin being violent talking about myself. Is not a ska and is not well, amused is... by your attempts at being a kid. <laughs> well, this, uh, this section of chapter 31 is written from Violin's perspective. Uh, that's how we get confirmation that he organized Ellen's deposition and how we know he has one hidden in the crowd. I wonder who it's going to end up being. Uh, so anyway, uh, Phylon Frando kind of looks, gets looked down on and he, he's a merchant, right? Even, even in the Lord Ruler time, he, he was a merchant. He's not a ska. He's not noble, but he's not a ska. Uh, and he's has kind of like a, a complex about it. But uh, he is one of the eight merchants that are on the assembly. Assembly consists of eight noblemen, including Elland, eight merchants, and eight ska. Uh, but anyway, uh, 23 of the 24 members of the assembly are sitting around having a meeting that Elland called, waiting for his arrival. And Phylon also uh, mentions, you know, peeks out into the crowd to make sure that his plant is still there. He is. Very well. Let's carry on. And uh, Lord Person Penrod shows up, who is kind of like the like the father figure of the assembly and of Luthadel itself. And he was uh, the toughest person to convince. Remember, they needed a unanimous vote to Al- Ellen, and Phylon was the toughest one to get on his side. He doesn't like that guy. And uh, while they're waiting, just Ellen suddenly shows up and. He's got a lovely lady on his arm, followed by two Paris servants. Uh, and Orsor is there, he's, so he's got like this guard dog with him. And uh, of course, he's dressed up in his kingly garb, and Ellen is dressed up in her dress as well. And he just comes in really confident. 
kingly AF, basically. Any questions? I mean, that describes it perfectly. Okay. On with AF. <laughs> on with the uh, rest of chapter 31. This part is written, uh, this parts of this are written from Ellen's and Vin's perspectives, I think. But the, the next part is written from Ellen's perspective. And we learn that Ellen is actually nervous AF. Uh, Ellen nominates Chancellor Penrod, passing with 16 to 8 votes. Penrod gives Ellen the floor, as Ellen was the one who called the meeting. Ellen begins take, talking of his encounter with Straff. Ellen mentions that Vin made Straff scared poo-poo. Zane is here in <laughs> chat. Say hi to Zane. Everyone but Ellen and Phylon seems to have forgotten that Ellen is not king. Nominations for new king. Some dude nominates Penrod. Penrod nominates Ellen. Phylon nominates... Dot, dot, dot. Okay. All right. Nice chat. <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, Ellen shows up, and he is looking the part right now, but he knows he's still kind of faking it, and from his internal monologues, he's kind of still nervous. And But he, he is really playing the game very well. He shows up, and he's just like, All right, who's Chancellor? Like, someone's got to be in charge here. And then, uh, you know, everybody, you know, everyone was just farting around. Nobody nominated a chancellor. So Ellen's like, all right, I, I nominate Penrod, the the uh, father figure who is more on Ellen's side than anybody else in the assembly. And it passes with 16 to 8 votes. I think that most of the nay votes were probably from the from the merchant section of the assembly including uh, the guy whose name I said a million times, including Phylon himself, <laughs> votes against him. He says his name a million times, so <laughs> don't forget it. So uh, Penrod, being the chancellor now and kind of running the assembly in the stead of the king, since there is no king right now, Penrod gives Ellen the floor, and Ellen gets up and he starts talking about his success with Straff Venture. Everyone expected him to get up there and defend his title as king, but, uh, you know, he just, he shows that he doesn't really care about the titles, that he really is just uh, out for the best interests of the city. Uh, I think it was very well played by Ellen, and he explains the reasons why they shouldn't fear an invasion by Straff, uh, mainly that Vin made Straff scared poo-poo, and, you know... Vin kind of winces at this, and even Ham kind of looks at her. She's like, are you sure okay with him talking about you like this? And she's like, yeah, I said it's okay. But, just, you know, still kind of feeling that uh, that pressure that Zane put on her about how Ellen is just using her as an assassin and doesn't really care about her. But, uh, you know, she allows it and explicitly gives Ellen permission to talk about it at this council meeting. And then we find uh, that Zane is... Uh, there in chat and he's just uh poking around and if i were him i'd probably be lurking and not be noticed but he's just standing in the back of the room everyone no, you, turn, be too cool. you gotta be <laughs> in the back don't want to mingle with any of these people yeah it sounds like this emo kid uh so zane is standing in the back of the assembly and didn't notice him Okay, and everyone but Ellen and Phylon seems to have forgotten that Ellen is not king. So obviously Phylon being the one who uh, organized the uh, the deposition, he's he knows that Ellen is not the king and he has his own plans. And 
you know, Ellens is obviously down to earth to realize that he doesn't officially have the title anymore, but he's playing it up enough that everyone in the crowd, even uh, even old dude Penrod, even even Penrod, it, it kind of forgets that uh, Ellens is not the one in charge. So one of the uh, one of the people on the council nominates Penrod as uh, they're holding nominations for new king, and Penrod sort of feeling in debt to. You know, Ellen nominating him as chancellor nominates uh, Ellen. And so now we have Penrod versus Ellen in the running. And then Phylon stands up and everybody expects Phylon to nominate himself. But Phylon actually nominates Lord Ashweather Set. What? And then King Set pops out of the audience and takes his disguise off. He's like, aha! And I just got to say, Ashweather is such a scadrial name. <laughs> a scadrial name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ash that would be like naming your kid. It would be like naming your kid Rain <laughs> in this world. And people are named Rain, so, you know, it's cool. But Ashweather. <laughs> yeah, it's legit. All right. What did you guys think of Chapter 31? Kingly AF. I thought it was in the top 31 of chapters that we have read in this book so far. All right, all right. So but we read 34 chapters. Oh, got him. Uh, I don't know. I sort of want to talk about this after uh, we do all the chapters. Okay, I can do more summary. Uh, Nothing in particular, I think, I'm out. right now. But aside from Phylon, we'd be speaking in the third person because that's what <laughs> does. All right, then. Chapter 32. Lord Set was born a gambling man. Set threatens the city and promises to give titles to the assemblymen. Assembly right. votes. To... That's right. What? <laughs> Assembly votes to let Set and a thousand soldiers move into Luthadel so he can quote argue his case to each of them individually, i.e., talk about how he's bribed. Ellen and company meet up after the adjournment. Vin suspects that Set is misborn, despite it being known that he's been crippled since birth. Gniorndin approaches the group. Gniorndin is Set's son. Ellen will meet with Set in one week. All right, so Lord Set uh, just goes into the enemy camp so that he can be voted in as their king. And uh, his platform is, I'm going to kill y'all if you don't elect me, so. Uh, and again, he's bribing the assemblymen, and he convinces them to let him move in with a, a small uh, legion troop. I don't know. Small legion makes sense. A thousand soldiers, is what they agree to. They, they did talk him down a bit. That's right. Well, he's then, got uh, my vote. <laughs> Why? Uh, Ellen is kingly AF, dude. Yeah, but he's running on a platform of he won't kill me if I vote for him. But Ellen won't kill you if you vote for him. Can I really know that for sure? Mm, I don't think he's killed anybody. That's just what yeah. he wants you to think. <laughs> he he does have a dueling cane now, and he knows how to use it now. So is a dueling cane like what Cranky Kong uses to fight? Wow. Probably. I mean, it's it's a stick, basically. Is it like a kendo stick? stick? Is it like Tatewaki Kuno's weapon from Ron Mahaf? Or like uh, that guy from Lupin the Third? Well, his is actually a sword, I think. 
It's a stick for hitting people, and it doesn't have any metal in it. That's a dueling cane. Oh, right. You don't want metal, because then, then it might get rusty. Yeah. That is the number one concern of carrying metal weapons in this world. All right. So Ellen and company <laughs> meet up after uh, the meeting's adjourned. So they, uh, they're they going to take some time. They're not immediately going to hold this vote. It's uh, set to say what you say to everyone. And so... One interesting thing is Set has to be carried up to the podium to make a speech. So, you know, it is a known fact that Set has been crippled since he was either born or since he was a, a young boy. And uh, my question is, how crippled is he? He has two kids. If he he he's not paralyzed from the waist down, at least, um, but. You know, I guess he could still have his legs could still be not developed. Uh, but anyway, uh, Vin suspects that Set is a misborn, and she's so she's so gung ho about it. She's like, oh, "Well, he's obviously a misborn." And <laughs> I'm thinking, and, uh, Br- I'm thinking, Scadriel just never developed the polio vaccine. That could be, but why would they when their polioids have uh, missed? powers but anyways uh breeze having spent considerable time in set's camp uh knows about his backstory and he knows that he's been crippled since birth and vince says that's the best cover story ever and she says it exactly like that because <laughs> that's how vin talks. you know what <laughs> I, i'm gonna say if vin actually talked like that then she deserves saying Wow, <laughs> you must talk like this to get with Zane. No, it's like, more like, oh my god. You, no, it's like, if you talk like that, then you're stuck with Zane. Basically, you don't deserve Ellen, then. That's what we're, That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. You got, you got standards there. <laughs> I so, think when Vin the, saw in, that, um, gosh, what was the, why am I blanking on the movie name? The the Christian Bale movie where they're magicians. Batman. Yes. The, the, prestige. the Prestige. The Prestige, thank you. She immediately spotted the twist. Like, immediately. Yes. But she hasn't spotted the twist in Well of Ascension. Whereas I have. We'll get to that in a little bit. She should have <laughs> bought the, the home video. We all know that it comes out before the movie even hits theaters. All right, so Gniorndin, who is that son, approaches the group and asks Ellen, uh, hey, when are you going to meet with King Set? And Ellen's like, I have nothing to say to him. And Gniorndin is like, okay, what, you kind of kidnapped uh, my sister, so you're going you're gonna to talk about terms with that? And Ellen is like, oh, yeah, I did kidnap your sister. I'm going to meet your, let's uh, meet for dinner in a week. <laughs> So don't forget, Elrianne, Breeze's girlfriend, Deepu, is actually King Set's daughter, Gnorandin's sister. And uh, I guess part of Set wants to negotiate to get his daughter back to safety. He doesn't maybe realize that she left of her own volition. Oh, real quick. Um, if Ashweather is the most Scadrialish name that you've ever heard, where does Njordin, uh fit on that scale? Fjordel. Sure, now that's uh, that sounds about right. I, I mean, I was, I was thinking some type of Nordic roots. Uh, Fjordell would be the closest we've seen so far in Sanderson's works. 
Ooh, Sanderson Woods. That sounds like a nice place. So that's Sanderson's Works. What? Sanderson Ironworks. All right, keep going. <laughs> I'm going to assume Craig is reading his stream chat and I have no idea what's going on. No, I'm just saying random things to get a reaction and failing spectacularly. I think he might be I... having a stroke. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh my. No, he's not having a stroke. He's a Mistborn, obviously. Best cover story ever. <laughs> Best cover story ever. All right, so Ellen and Set will meet in one week. End of chapter 32. <laughs> anything I missed in chapter 32 or anything I ran over too fast and you need to go back and zoom in on? Craig, do uh, you smell have... toast right now? If I had to say Njorn, is it Njornden? Njornden. Njornden. Gnjordan, you have to pronounce it. That set son. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. You, I don't think you pronounce the G though, do you? Well, let's ask the audiobook listeners. Let's um, ask Tori. Tori, it's been a bit for me. Do you remember? I do not remember this name at all. Oh. So Dave is before. Dave is our expert here. So we're going with what he said. No, it you sounds good, is what I'm saying. Like, if I had to pronounce it first time without ever listening, you know how I would butcher it. Would <laughs> <laughs> make Thanks, such a great GDQ What did Lamguin say? Did he just type Gnjordan? Yes. Like, it's pronounced Gnjordan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. All right, then, chapter 33, and this one is a doozy. Holy moly. And I, it was so good, I kind of wanted to end on this one, but I understand why we, we paced it the way we did, because there were eight chapters remaining in part three. But uh, I think little enough happened in chapter 34 that it's still okay. But chapter 33, huge chapter right here. Okay. Vin gladly returns to her studies. Vin and Doggo talk about religion. Somebody's poisoned the water hole. Vin and Doggo find Dachshund for a secret Chandra test. Does Dachshund know about Chandra puppers? Vin assumes that Chandra can't recognize each other. But why? Dachshund knows an awful lot about Dachshund's past. Dachshund knows an awful lot about the moral implications of accepting the new government. Dachshund knows an awful lot about Dachshund's emotional state. Finn made Dachshund sad. Why you do this? Bible thump. Finn decides that, that Dachshund is not an imposter. Okay. That's the... Blackwind. <laughs> or rather, Mike. <laughs> oh. You're just making more editing work for yourself. Okay, so if for some reason Mike is too lazy to edit this part out, he just posted this absolutely ridiculous image of Woody from Toy Story it's as a terrible. snake. It's, he's he's a snake in his own boots. Is what it is. <laughs> oh, that is, okay. There's actually a caption that says that I am. The, I didn't read the. I got it before reading the caption, but it says I am the snake in my boot. That is like it. It looks like a Junji Ito illustration. I can't even hold. I, I don't know why I leave this window open okay, during recording. Let me post this to uh my chat so everyone can see. <laughs> oh, Mike beat me to it. And he wanted me to see it mid recording. That's why he wrote my name next to it. Basically, yep. yes. <laughs> 
So you mentioned somebody poisoning the water hole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least give you credit for waiting for me to get to that bullet point break instead of just interrupting me in the middle of what I was doing. Oh my goodness! All right. So Vin gladly returns to her studies. That's uh, that's fun. She's actually starting to enjoy reading and stuff. So ah, Vin and Doggo talk about Khan's religion. So Vin. I managed to get a decent amount of information out of Urshur about the Contra religion, what they believe, their prophecies and such. And apparently the Contra prophecies talk about a day when uh, the humans will cause some sort of nuclear holocaust via the Kolos and kill everybody off so that the Contra can live free of the contract and, uh, be, be able to reign the world. So, yay. Yay for Chandra religion. It's free for us. All right. Meanwhile, somebody's poisoned the water hole. Uh, someone snuck into the city, and they, they don't know if it's said. They don't know if it is Strap. Uh, but I don't... I feel like... Why would Set poison the water hole if he's living in the city now? But I don't know. Just they, They're not sure. But anyway, uh, people are still looking to Ellen to solve their problem is pretty cool despite the fact that he's not even the king so maybe he'll have the support of the people uh but the important thing is whether or not he'll get the support of the assembly since those are the votes i don't know uh anyway as uh as ellen and who is with him says it i don't remember as ellen and friend come back to the palace vin are coming back and they see him and they're like okay that's i was okay probably was hammond um, oh, yeah, I think it was Hammond, because he tells Hammond to post some guards at the wells to make sure people don't drink out of them. So Vin and Orsor finally get their chance to have a private conversation with Dachshund. And uh, Vin kind of gets this vague feeling that maybe Dachshund knows that Orsor is the dog. Uh, Doxon knows about Orsor, so he might have just put two and two together. Or would the Chandra recognize one another? And Vin has that thought, and she immediately dismisses it. Misses it. But not having read the contract, I don't know how she can make that assumption. Like There has got to be some clause in that contract that prevents Chandra from outing one another. They, if they do recognize each other... Then... But what they do is they all burn Malatium all the time. And that's no. where it went because she had to feed it to her puppy. <laughs> Maybe Orsor hid the Malatium. Maybe that's what it was all this time. That would be fantastic. Anyway, dude, what if he did that? Oh my gosh. So, like, I. Why would he? Oh, so people can't. Right, because yeah. he knows that Malatium would. Uh... It would jeopardize, you know, the way his his race lives. Uh, and, you know, I get the feeling that Orsor is loyal to Vin, but at the same time, I, I, I think that she's a step down from the contract. Uh, but anyway, there she's just, for some reason, I can't figure out why, just completely dismisses this idea. She's, oh... It, if Orsor could recognize who this other Chandra was, then he would tell me. And I think that is very naive of her to think, without, have, without actually going back and reading the contract. And under. 
Uh, but anyway, she has a thorough conversation with Doxin. Doxin, you know, remembers what it was like to be with uh, with Kelsier and being on the crew. Doxin remembers a, a talk that he and Vin had had in private about Doxin's past and about his uh, his significant other being taken away by the Final Empire. And uh, Doxin also mentions, you know, how hard it is for him to support this government. You know, in a sense, he he knows that this is right. But in another sense, if if this is right, then all of all of that massacre that Doxin did in killing noble people, thinking that noble people were somehow less than human, that is going to come back and haunt him because you know, he would realize that he was wrong to kill all of those noblemen. And uh, Doxin knows how he feels about this. And Vin takes that as evidence enough that uh, this is the real Doxin. And uh, yeah, just leaves Doxin all sad and depressed, having thought about all of these moral implications of the new government taking power. Okay, that's the end of that section. So Vin decides... Doxin is not an imposter, but Ursur is not so Ursur. Vin puts Dox <laughs> no, in the maybe pile. Really just do that. Vin's earring was once gilded with silver, which makes no sense. His contract versus E contract. Vin looks outside to see Captain Demo approaching the palace. It's him. Vin knows it. It's not him, but I wrote from the traitor. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, okay, I have a whole note there. All right, so Vin decides that Doxin's not an imposter. After the conversation, she talks to Orsor, and Orsor explains to her how thorough the Conjure are, how sometimes they torture their uh, victims so that they can get all this private information to be more convincing, more thorough about their portrayal of the person that they're eating. So Vin puts Doxin in the maybe pile. She doesn't, she doesn't want to consider Dox as... Tandra, uh, unless it's a last resort. So, gonna go consider other options, but still keep that that on the back burner. That maybe it's Docs, but I don't want to think about that. Right. And I just wrote this. Um, I just got to call Sanderson out on this. Uh, he says that Vin's bronze earring was once gilded with silver, which d- doesn't make any sense because the word "gild" by definition means covered with gold. So I don't know why he oh. wrote that. Uh, I love you, Brandon Sanderson, but I think this was a little misuse of the term. <laughs> um, what would you call it then? Coated with silver, covered with silver, yeah. silted with silver. The painted official with silver. definition is gilding is any decorative technique for applying a very thin coating of gold to solid surfaces. Unless it's gold and silver together, and maybe that I don't know. <laughs> Although the there's electrilding? also silver gilt. Silver gilt is silver covered with gold. I actually came across that too. I, I did look this up as well to be sure. Right. It just it stuck out at me and I wasn't sure that I was right about it, but I looked at it. Right. I love you, Brandon. I'm sorry to be nitpicky. I'm sure I'm not the worst fan that you've ever had to put up with. And that's uh, assuming you listen to this podcast. Man. And I hope that he does one day, but I don't know. I've read two, three and a half of your books so far and they're phenomenal. So please don't take any offense. Oh, have you not read Skyward yet? 
I did not read Skyward yet. I reading The Rhythmatist was perfect timing for me because it was Christmas vacation. We weren't doing any recording, so I had to get my Sanderson fix. So I was able to read through Rhythmatist during our hiatus. So uh, I managed to get that in. But uh, I do, I do have Skyward. I bought it. I also bought The Life and Times of Gary Watkins or whatever it's called, and I plan on reading that as well. But Skyward is probably next out of non Cosmere books. All right. Okay. Uh, chapter thirty-four. Uh, no, we still have to cover the rest of these bullet points in chapter thirty-three. And on page three hundred ninety-five of my cover, it's apparent that Vin still does not get this. Vin says, "Whoever he is, referring to the other Condra, he's just following his contract." Yes, Mistress Borisor said, "The contract." So now I'm left wondering. There's obviously the contract, which is a contract between the Chondra peoples and the human race. Uh, and Finn doesn't understand that. She sees it as a contract between a single Chondra and a single human. So either she just doesn't understand it, or there are two different types of Chondra contracts. There's the, you can have an individual contract, or you can, or there's the general racial contract. So. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a question mark for me right now. I don't know if it's just the racial contract or if it can, if it can refer to both. All right. So Vin looks outside she sees Captain Demo approaching the palace and she is absolutely dead certain that he is the Chandra. And I'll tell you why he's not the Chandra. So from the reader's perspective, he's way too obvious. Sanderson has been throwing suspicion at Demo since day one, since we first learned that there's a Chandra. I, I don't think that it's going to be that obvious. And side note, Finn is bad at Contra busting. You know, despite the whole <laughs> Malatium thing, Demo should have been one of her first suspects, and she's only now thinking about him. She totally sees him and mentions him as a possible suspect as soon as she finds out about the Contra spy, then she just completely forgets, forgets about him for like a whole month or two. I think it's two months because... We we uh, find out next chapter actually that it's been two months that Pindwell's training Ellen, and it's about the same time frame. So yeah, she definitely should not have waited two months cast suspicion. I think that's. I mean, you, you definitely a have a bit. good point. She's just flat out bad at trying to find a, a spy in the group. Like this, I mean, I feel like that should be priority number one. And the fact that they don't really tell anybody about this, especially like. Does, does yeah, Hammond even when know? they clear people, yeah, Hammond should know. They've cleared Hammond. They, I'm pretty sure they've cleared Breeze. Like they should have one person whose job is to find the spy, not Vin, because she she has other stuff she needs to do as well. Like she's busy patrolling, and I think part of the problem is that Vin does way too much. Like she's constantly patrolling. She has issues with with um like Zane to deal with and things like that. It's just like. She's already way too busy. And here she also has to ferret out uh, a spy. Like, you need to delegate a little bit. Ellen actually makes it a point. And he's like, how does Vin live with four hours of sleep every day? And I think the answer is pewter, but (laughs) she does do way too much. You're right. All right, I'll move it along here. Chapter 34, Research Party. Former Obligator Norndon. Tindwell gets in trouble for offending Caesar. Finn hears footsteps. Finn and Zane fight. Zane has ATM. Oh, noes. Zane learned <laughs> that Finn has no ATM. Zane tries to get Finn to run away with him. 
the Kolos are coming. All right, so this starts off, this scene starts off with Ellen and a bunch of people reading through piles of books, including Ham, who's just kind of like flipping through books very quickly, not actually taking anything in and pulling ideas out of his philosophical brain and bringing those up rather than doing any actual research. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cute. I love him. And uh, it's, there's also this really humorous contrast between the way Sezed stacks up his books and the way Ellen piles up his books with notes going every which way. And uh, there's, uh, along with this research party, there is a former obligator named Norden who wears these big glasses to try to cover his tattoos. But uh, that ain't happening. And Vin says that he is way too laid back to be a priest. <laughs> way too well-tempered. And uh, Tinwell is also there. And the, uh, she... We're, they're talking about kind of... Says it's the one that's looking up Ellen's written law, like Ellen's code. And Data's like, man, you did too good a job writing this. It's it's going to be hard to circumvent it, if at all possible. And Ellen is like, well, you helped me write it. And Tyndall was like, how dare you, say Zed? And then, you know, Ellen kind of calls her out like, hey, you insult him in my house. You're insulting me. Apologize to say Zed or get out. She gets out. Uh, and meanwhile, Vin hears some footsteps outside and she's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm going back on patrol. And of course, she goes out there to find Zane. And Zane came to fight. And it is obvious the way that Zane is fighting that he is burning ATM. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of figured out pretty early on, but, but then Zane just kind of reveals he wanted to learn whether or not Vin actually had ATM. And he discerns and Vin admits that she is completely out of ATM. So Zane first, uh, says, you know, my father commanded me to kill you, but if we run away together, that'll have the same effect. Let these guys fight it out and not use their mistborn assassins to do their dirty work. And Vin declines, and Zane's just like, I came to warn you of two things. One, I'm supposed to kill you. And two, the Coloss will be here in a couple of days. We let a uh, 100 refugees from a neighboring town, come through our camp to come and take residence in Luthadel. And there you have it. Chapters 31 through 34. Okay. Hooray. Um, we get a, a, a thing in chat which says, by Tiru, my god, Dave's play-by-play is the best. Thank you. Yes, I am, I am and have been a big fan of the bullet points. You know, listening to older episodes, I didn't put as much life into it as before, so I'm I'm drinking more coffee before. I think part of the problem was we did recordings on Saturday morning, and I'd just be like, just wake up and roll out of bed to do recordings, and oh, I'm those, definitely more of a more of an evening person. Those early morning recordings were not good for me. So, so one thing I wanted to say was that it's interesting, and and you probably have the same uh, thought that Ellen is finally more king now that he's not king. Yeah, and that is explicitly mentioned in the book as well. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, explicitly, like, it says, but kind of ironic that Ellen knows how to be king now that he's not king. Like, we're almost word for word. It's okay, It's it's been a few months since I read it, so. All right, so this one has already gone pretty long. I'm guessing we're just not going to do a spoiler section this week. 
Uh, no, we got something better. We, because, Dave, you promised me two theories, and I've seen one of them. So mm-hmm. why don't you hit us up with either one of them, whichever you want. We'll get to both. So, go. Okay, I'm going to start with the one I hadn't mentioned yet. And that is, I know who the who the other country is. I like, I know. It's I am dead set on this theory. Like, it's going to be really hard to convince me otherwise until I'm actually proven wrong by the text. Okay, you guys ready for this? I know who the contra is. Okay. I am on the edge of my seat. I paid for the <laughs> okay. whole thing. It's a recliner. <laughs> um, I actually got this from Sam's Club for like a few hundred bucks. It was a pretty good deal. Uh, but I'm on the edge of it. I'd like to use Ooh, the entire that recliner. Me of the episode you released today. <laughs> um, Craig doesn't. Okay. What? Okay. <clears throat> the Chondra is Dachshund. The Chondra's master is Dachshund. Or rather, was Dachshund. The Chondra's master? Yes. All right, I'm not sure so, I'm following you completely, so walk me through this, start to finish. Okay. We learn everything we need to know about Dachshund's emotional state from his conversation with Vin. Dachshund is overridden with guilt from all of his uh, killings of the noblemen, and he can't reconcile helping out the new government with his murderous past. So, Dachshund is in a position where he can't, he can't cope with uh, you know, the, the moral weight on him, so he decides to commit suicide. But Doxin, okay, but listen, Doxin, being Doxin, can't just kill himself and leave a mess behind him. He is not Kelsier. Doxin has to take care of his friends. He has to take care of his organizational duties. So he trains up a Chandra that he got somewhere. Uh, and th- there are explanations. You know, it's possible. There, Doxin trains up his Chandra to be his replacement. The same as basically Kelsier did, but to actually do the work that Dachshund has to do. So Dachshund commits suicide and has a conjure take his place so that uh, his friends won't. So. Without so commenting like... on the accuracy of this theory, I really, really like this theory. So it's it's sort of like what Kelsier did, only... Um, so therefore, well, only that would wasn't... mean it's... Kelsier did it to be a martyr. He's doing it out of guilt. And he's also, I mean, like, leave it to take the easy way out the most difficult way possible. (laughs) So he trains up a chondra to replace him. I mean, a trained chondra would certainly know a lot more about Dachshund than... Mm -hmm. So a couple things with this theory. First of all, where did Dachshund get a chondra? Well, I mean... Kelsier had at least one Chandra, why not two? And if he gave one to Vin, who would he give the other one to but his main man? Uh, or he could just, I mean, I don't know. There's no reason Dachshund wouldn't have a Chandra, really. And also, there was this whole thing about the Venture Company spy, the Straff Venture spy. Or rather, he, he actually refers to it as Zane spy. And nowhere does it say that spy is a conjurer. I made that assumption earlier, but I went back and I read the chapter. And the conversation is, uh, Straff says, how's your spy doing? And Zane says, he's afraid that they suspect him. He doesn't say the spy is a conjurer. He doesn't say that the spy is in the palace or even in Luthadil or who it is that suspects him. He just says, 
there's a spy, they suspect him. There is very little detail there, and I, for some reason, assume that they were referring to the Contra. But there's no reason to assume. All right. Um, I don't know that we can actually discuss your theory with you here, and I don't really want to do a spoiler time this week. So why don't we go ahead and move on to your second theory? Okay, so um, little mini theory actually. After that, uh, could bonus theory? Okay, (laughs) this is a bonus theory. What could Doc Sandra be Vin's mother? Uh, I don't know if there's ever been any discussion about Sandra being able to procreate with humans, and it. It's possible. I mean, it's kind of like too crazy, and I don't think that we're probably going to go into Vin's parentage, like possibly not even at any point in this book, because there is still Hero of Ages after this, or maybe like at the very end of this book, talk about her parentage. But, uh, you know, it's I've formerly theorized that Vin's mother is a Farukamist, and, it, you know, it's still possible. I don't know. I just, it was just a thought that occurred to me. What if? Doc Sandra, or even some other kind of Chandra, is Finn's mother. So, so and what you're it saying would now distinguish her. is part Farukamis, clearly all Mistborn, and part Chandra. Possibly. Very and not likely, Golos, but possibly. And not part Ashweather. No. Half uh, orc, half elf, half dwarf, <laughs> half dragon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It was but I'm not going to that's not a detailed theory and however it does kind of lead into my other major theory and I wrote this one out so I'm just going to read it word for word what I typed in discord Vin surmises that the deepness is the mists themselves close the deepness is actually the chandra or perhaps mist rates in general the chandra made a contract with the lord ruler over a thousand years ago and now that he's dead, some of the Contra interpret that the contract is dissolved. Now they kill people. Addendum the theorem. Theory. Not theorem. Not proven yet. Addendum the theory. Vin will act all smug, saying she figured it out. People will say that she wasn't quite, quite right. But she'll be all close enough. Oh, I man, I wanted to talk about this, too. Talking back well, about well, let's Contra talk recognizing about your each other. First. Okay, we'll talk about the theory. Uh, um, so, yeah. I can't see Vin saying something like that, though. No, That's she's gonna enough. be. <laughs> no, she was just kind of like, be like, Psh, whatever. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be closer. I think. Um, man, <laughs> I really wanted, I really wanted to actually mention this back when we were talking about the Condra recognizing each other, and in fact, during the conversation after talking to Docs and Vin and Orso are, are talking, and it's like, would you recognize this other Condra? Would you know him? Mm-hmm. Like, we're a close knit group. It's very likely. Uh, and I, I'm thinking, like, there's no freaking way that Orsor doesn't know who the other Chandra is. And I would really love to see a chapter from the perspective of Orsor where he has a conversation with the other Chandra. Not to reveal who the Chandra is, but just to get more insight about how Orsor thinks, his perspective on his relationship with Vin, and, you know, overall Chandra society and Chandra human relations. So I think it would be really cool to see Orsor and other Chandra having a private but he'd have to be really careful because Vin's always burning tin. Okay. Oh, man. And if Doxandra is 
Vin's mother, then there's just going to be this really touching scene where Vin burns Malatium and Doc Sandra has an echo form that Vin recognizes as her mother, but whatever. That's you that's have fate. hopes. <laughs> you have hopes Malatium will be at some point. All right. Anyways, I have a very so, minor spoiler that I would like to share with you that I think will offer you some reassurance. Okay. In the third book, there is a viewpoint character who is a Chondra. But not the second book? Or you won't say? <laughs> I think that's all you need to know. Uh, all right. Uh, who knows? I mean, we might not even find out that Doxon is the Chondra until the third book. Doxandra. Wait, Doxandra. Doxandra. I originally named him Chondroxon. But then when I realized <laughs> that it's probably a female, I thought Doxandra sounded more more feminine. Okay. Okay, so I think that the that the deepness is actually the chondra. So either there are two different types of chondra contracts. So the racial one has been dissolved, and anybody who's not under an individual contract is free to go kill people, even though it doesn't fit in with their prophecy of the humans killing each other off, but whatever. It could be misinterpreted. And uh, so those that are under an individual contract are waiting until those expire or whatever. Or it could just be that there is just this one racial contract and some are interpreting it to be dissolved, whereas some say that the contract continues. Or even maybe the Lord Ruler had individual Chandra contracts with most of the Chandra in the world. And those are the ones that uh, have been freed to go kill people. But I, I think there's a very good chance that the deepness is actually going to turn out to be the Chandra or Mistrates themselves. So once again, with no comment as to accuracy, I like where your head's at with this. You, you may I, be dead I, on. I, you may be completely right. off. I just I like where your head's at. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically the same thing we do. Just we have knowledge of more books and can bounce stuff off of each other. All right. Uh, for next he week. He bounces stuff at us and we're like, eh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You got it. For Dude, next could week. Could you imagine if we had two novice readers and then Dave and Dave Jeff. 2 could just discuss this? Like, how good would that be? be so Dave good. 2. All right. Maybe we can get my mom. I got her. Uh, I gave her cop my uh, first copy of Mistborn. I don't know if she's gotten around to reading it yet. The problem is my mom would not be on board with this because she reads like a book a day. This would be torture for her. Yeah, I, I still know how you do this because I know I can't stop. E even when I'm like rereading, I still can't slow down. I'm like, I'm just going to read all these chapters tonight. And then I read double that. It's hard, and kudos to you, man, for doing it for the podcast. Yeah, I, I miss the days of, oh, I'm behind in a launch, Chris. I need to read as fast as possible. <laughs> okay, next week, uh, we are doing cast lists. So, I don't care who you bring, bring, like, at least three characters. Um, ideally, new characters, if you feel like recasting old characters, do that too, but... That's what we're doing for next week. So you have, I have written it in the Discord, and I have told you out loud verbally here on the podcast recording. It has been wrote. 
I'm probably going to delete this before, you know, actually releasing this. So people don't know to look forward to our next podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tori, do you have much of anything? You've been very quiet this week. It's because my microphone is terrible and I'm afraid of messing up the pod. You're fine. No worries. Yeah, you're not eating cereal. Oh, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> what do you mean? That episode was, that was like 20 episodes ago. Crap. Too soon, guys. <laughs> I mean, on my end, I spent like five episodes breathing directly into my microphone without being muted, so. Let's just chalk that up to being Saturday morning recordings. Sure. Yeah, we get better. All right. Do we want to go ahead and call it here? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Dave gets to say bye with us. Bye, Internet. Have a great day, everybody. I'm going to miss you until next time. Why do we include him? Uh, Bye, Internet. (laughs) This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm